Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castro, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, we're once again at a loss for things to talk about. Mr. Castor, first of all, how are you? Hopefully all of our listeners are well and healthy and, of course, observing their social distancing and self-isolation guidelines as set forth by all of our governments. Yes, we are back to... Do I dare say normal in terms of not having any sports to really talk about and trying to fish for content? Frankly, I do not want to accept that this is going to be normal. Well, but that's just me. You are a bit more of an optimist than I am. While I consider myself to be more of a realist, this is kind of what normal is like. And it sucks. It does suck. It really, really sucks. But actually, you know, I, I sort of lied there. We do have stuff to talk about because stuff is stuff is happening around the world of sports. But there's just no live games or anything like that. Well, Adam, you also forgot to mention that we are, of course, radio professionals. So we, we know how to get about and, you know, find content that is worthwhile and we could talk about on this wonderful program known as the Basement Talk Podcast, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which you can subscribe to and, of course, leave a five-star review and tell us how much you love the podcast. Right, exactly. Shameless plug. Very shameless. But you know what? But you know what? Again, I, I'm just a radio professional. I just know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. It's true. I mean, we both know it's what an, we're doing a, in that, in that it's a very It's a very nice time to just, you know, get into what we're talking about, create a nice little segue, but while also plugging the podcast and making sure for all the new listeners, first of all, welcome, and you're probably saying, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, second of what all... What did I sign up for? Hmm, <laughs> what did they just waste the last two minutes and 20 seconds out of their lives for? But then they're going to realize that this is going to be the best form of entertainment and content that they have all day. So... Fasten your seatbelts, you know, pull it over your shoulder, go click, click, and let's go. All right. So news and notes. Big thing that we're talking about first off is Dr. Fauci, the uh, the, the voice of reason for during the coronavirus pandemic, has warned that there there may not be sports for the rest of the year, which frankly pokes a hole in my soul. It breaks my soul in two to hear him say that. I mean, if somebody else said it, you know, somebody with less credibility than an actual medical doctor, I'd be like, oh, come on, you're kidding. There's no way. But when you hear somebody like Dr. Fauci say it, you're like, oh, shit, he might, he's probably right. And yeah, I don't want to accept that reality. I don't think anybody does, but that's kind of where we're at. And I mean, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci is a really, really, really smart guy, and I think he knows what he's really talking about. But he, but he also has been on record to say that you know, everyday life should not be going back to normal until there is a proper vaccine that is available for, uh, for COVID nineteen. But you know, if if I'm you know really putting my realistic hat on, you know, how can how can we sit back and continue to, you know, be in isolation, quarantine, staying away from our friends, family, people we love, all that, and wait for a vaccine to really happen. And I think, you know, sports right now, we saw with the NFL draft, what the NFL draft did. It was the most watched NFL draft in history. 15 million viewers night one. And over the course of the entire draft, I believe we it was 45 million viewers, Adam, for the uh, three-day total, something like that. So Yeah, something like that. So you could see what sports clearly is doing. It's giving people a reprieve. It's giving people an outlet. And I think when sports does return, it will bring a sense of normalcy back to our individual cities and communities. But 
right now, you know, we're reminded of sickness and 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 death and and, vi- and this virus all day, every day, and it it just becomes tiring, you know, after a while. I mean, I don't I don't know about you, Adam, but um, you know, regardless of you know what political affiliation you are. I, I can't watch these five o'clock press conferences with uh, with the president, the vice president, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks. I mean, I can't watch the governor when he does his his press conference every day. I can't do it because it, it, it is just so damn depressing. And it's like, all right, I know the shit that's going on outside. I really don't need to know about it. Well, yeah, I think, though, sports as we know it, I, I've said this before on the podcast. There's no way that we can have it as it was before until there is a vaccine. Because who on earth is going to want to sit into a sta- in a stadium like inches away from complete strangers watching a game when there's no vaccine for coronavirus? Well, honestly, I think, th- I think the way that they will probably end up doing it is they'll probably end up only allowing X amount of people back in at a time and having distance between, you know, seats. Honestly, they should probably they should just have no no fans because that would just make it l- less likely for them to uh, actually to for them to spread the virus. And honestly, sports like football and hockey, it's gonna take like it's it would be so easy if one player in the NFL has it for the virus to spread with how much contact there is in football. With how linemen especially, if a lineman has it, then they're fucked. Because those guys are going face-to-face with each other all the time. I mean, going going into those piles, I mean, we don't really see them as much anymore. But the pot, those huge dog piles still happen. And yeah, it's it's just not a good look for, for somebody who's trying to curb the spread. Of a very very contagious virus. No, it, it's 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 not safe. It's not safe, and I mean, I think more on a societal and, and personal level. I know that you know sports are not planning on coming back very soon. We have hopes that maybe baseball will come back in July, but again, those are real. That's a hope right now. Um, and I mean, I was talking to some people, you know, throughout the week, and basically they're overall thoughts were they were excited to just get this done so they can go to the beach and i literally looked at them I'm just, I, I, I know i just said you know you think you're going to the beach are you kidding me the beaches aren't even gonna be open go to the beach because apparently you want to go to the beach that's what i said that's what i said i mean i, I i'm not i know when, when this is over and you know we're told okay we can go back to living our lives as we once did I'm going to be apprehensive. I mean, I'll definitely, you know, I'll go around, I'll see my family, I'll see my like my really, you know, close friends. But in terms of, like, going to the grocery store with, you know, no gloves or a mask on, no chance. No chance. Yeah, no, not until a vaccine. Is there. Not, not even until this is completely done. Like, I know it's completely done, and even, and even then... You know, it's like you don't know what germs are being carried. You don't know who has what. You don't know who does what when they're not at the grocery store at that particular moment in time. So it comes down to a trust factor that you have to have with other people. And you have to you have to trust that they've been taking care of themselves. They're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're practicing, you know, proper hygiene, uh, all that. I, I, I just don't trust people as it is. So, Well, yeah, it's kind of... It's interesting because it kind of opens your eyes, like when you wipe off your stuff, like stuff you get at the grocery store. You're like, you know what? This is actually not a bad idea because you think about how many people touch that like bag of Oreos or that can of nonstick spray over the course oh, yeah. of its shelf life. Yeah, I mean, when I went to the grocery store uh, just yesterday, I was going and I was picking up. Uh, I was p- going up and picking up a package of uh, of chopped meat, and it was one of the only uh, packages that was there, but it was ripped, and I could see it, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not getting this this freaking chopped meat. I mean, I got 
I ended up getting like two and a half pounds of it anyway, two and a half, three pounds of chopped meat. But I could have gotten more just because we want to be safe. But, you know, I wasn't going to go and take and take that risk. We do have some breaking news on the podcast, though. Oh, we do. That's fun. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, this comes from Fox Business. Mm-hmm. Uh, senior MLB officials are confident that a season will occur this year, despite the overall details currently being debated. Wow. So it looks like Major League Baseball. I will. Ma- baseball, you can kind of, you know, social distance a little bit. Kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's wishful thinking. I think it's realistic. I do. Because the, because you need because I think it's it's understanding that you know where we are in 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 New York, you know, you go to other places and it's it's nothing. I know some people that that live down in West Virginia and it's life is it's life is normal. You know, they don't have a spike in cases. Not yet. You see what's going on with Iowa? Well, yeah. I mean, not yet. But they're treating it as if, you know, life is life is normal. But, you know, again, it's it's about being safe. It's about realizing, you know, what you can and what you uh, what you can't do. And I MLB won't go unless the CDC says it's okay to go. That's that's really the bottom line with this is. Major League Baseball will know what to do when they get the okay from the CDC to go ahead and continue their, well, start their season, really. Right, exactly. Because this whole thing happened around spring training and uh, spring training, spring training was about to was about to be over. It was like two weeks from opening day when that happened. Yeah, it was a week and a half away. Crazy. But um, moving on, we can talk about uh, leagues that have already been canceled, and that is Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 in France, and the Eredivisie in uh, the Netherlands, and yeah, straight up canceled. I don't know, I know that uh, the Eredivisie, they're not doing promotion and relegation for... And I won't. Th- Do you know what's going on uh, with uh, League One and League Two? Yet to be de- yet to be decided. Okay, because because you know PSG is probably like fifty points ahead of the team in second place anyway, so nobody really cares about the champion. Yes, and for all that are wondering what the hell is going on, this is uh, the top soccer leagues in uh, France and the Netherlands, and there's also talk that the Serie A in Italy, the top division in Italian soccer is going to be canceled as well due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is kind of an interesting thing that other leagues are looking at. Especially, I think the Premier League is looking at this in England. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you heard what came out this morning, right? Yeah. That there is a increasing amount of players that do not want to play until the pandemic is done. Well, and the Premier and the and the Premier League and the FA, you know, think that they're going to be able to have a condensed season in a month between June and July. <laughs> Good fucking luck. Good fucking luck, exactly. It, it's it's toast. I mean, look, while I hate Liverpool, I hate everything about them. Same. I hate their club. I hate what they stand for. They deserve the title. I'm not going to say their fans deserve the title because fuck the Scouse. They deserve the title based on the fact that they are the best team in England. They should be awarded the title. It be their first title in 30 years. And if they don't get the title, it would be... I don't want to say a disgrace, but it would be unfair to them given they've completely run away with the league. However... If they don't win the title and they're not awarded the title, 
And if you don't think I'm going to go and I am going to go rub it in my co-host faces, Brett Maher and Tim Brady, who are on the original Basement Talk podcast program, you are out of your mind. Oh, yeah. I will be. Don't tell me that I'm going to com- I'm not going to complain that Liverpool is not going to get would not get the title. Oh, you won't hear me complain a bit. I will say, well, that sucks. Try again next year. I'm on the record in saying they deserve it. I'm on the record in saying that they are the best team in England. But if they don't get the title, sorry. But they're but they're kind of in a lose-lose anyway because just how much all the fans hate them anyway. If they do win the title, people are going to say, "Oh, you didn't win the ti- you didn't win the title." Because you didn't win it in 38 games. So, well, first of all, it, the thing, it's a lose-lose. The thing about it is, is that, like, even though it's, it's like, impossible for this to happen, they haven't mathematically clinched the title. No, not yet. So, actually, it was funny. I was listening, like, this was, like, a month ago. I think I was driving to work, probably. When, so, this is March 14th or 13th. It was the last time I went to uh, FAN for work. I was listening to uh, Joe and Evan. And Evan was like, you know, if somebody bets the over-under on a team that has already clinched either the over or the under, they should pay out those bets. If it's mathematically, like, if it's impossible for, for them to not clinch the other one. Like, the Warriors, I think, already clinched the under on their win total. Or the over on their win total. I don't. Even, I don't remember. But like, if it's math, if it's mathematically impossible that they can do anything else betting wise, then they should just pay out their bets. But if they, but if it's not, like if it's still math, if it's still possible for a team to get their over or their under uh, win total, then uh, those bets shouldn't be paid yet. So it's. I think. My rationale for it is like, well, you know, this could this could still happen. Like, like even though it's completely unlikely, it could still like Liverpool could still lose every single one of their games, and then Man City will win the title. Even though it's probably not going to happen that way. That's just wishful thinking. No, I'm saying it's probably not going to happen that way. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. It's either gonna, it's either going to be Liverpool win the title or they don't win the title, and the season is just null and void. Which, well, you know, they actually canceled. which by the day just seems to be you know the more likely scenario for how this season is going to go. They canceled when I was looking up uh, the history of Arsenal for a, a segment that we will probably be bringing back on a future episode of the podcast. I saw that they canceled the uh, 39-40 football league season due to World War II. Correct. So there is, I mean, there is a precedent for it. There is. And I think. I believe I believe it's the only time that um, that the Premier League has ever been just done and dusted was, or the English top flight, I should say, was, uh, was done and dusted, was in between uh, for World War One. And then for World War Two as well. And then other than that, that's it. Yep. All right, so the next thing we're going to be talking about, uh, besides we're going to move more close to home, more local, especially local for us because, you know, we're from New York. And are, are we from Are we from New York? Yeah. In case you couldn't tell, are we from New York? From Bird's accent, I don't. Are we from New York? I don't really have an accent. Hey Adam, can we pause the podcast? I need to go down and get myself a glass of water. Oh really? I go get a glass of water. I want to. I want to talk to you for longer. Uh, oh, you want to keep. To- you want to keep talking to me? Ah, uh, whatever. I'll call you later. Call. I'll call you okay. later. Okay. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. Honestly. Okay. I think, Ciao. I think that uh, accents are more of a South Shore thing because nobody I went to high school with had really had like a serious Long Island accent. 
well, obviously the people you went to high school with in Port Washington weren't Italian. <laughs> no, there were. There's actually a, a very considerable amount of Italian people here. I know, I know. There's a lot of people that are Italian living uh, in Port Washington, but I can't say the same for uh, my Walton High School roots. I cannot say the same. We had a. I could say this because I'm Italian. We had a lot of gindaloons. God, that just sounds like that just sounds dirty. The way that you said it. It just sounds like a slur. I don't know what it means, but it just sounds like one. It's, it's, well, I I could, I could have said something else, but I don't even like saying it. It's it's the real slur for Italians, but no, no. Gindaloons is better. Gindaloons is like a nice, is a nice little, uh, (laughs) that's funny. Well, yeah, I think I know what, what you're thinking of, but I wouldn't condone you saying it on the podcast. It starts with the same letter. Yeah. Well, I would never say the K word on the podcast. Don't know what you're talking about. You really? Are you just being facetious? I'm being facetious. Okay. What do you think? I'm living. I live under a freaking rock. Well, no, because I've told you about it. Of course you have. Yeah. I no. It's the it's whatever. Anyway, so the real thing we're going to be talking about New York sports wise, not how many Italians live in our hometowns, because like really, <laughs> come on. <laughs> We're not fishing. Well, we that could. Hard. We are fish. We are fishing for content. <laughs> not that hard. Not that hard. Um, Scott Perry is going to remain as a GM of the Knicks, which is a bit strange, because I thought that they that uh, they kind of wanted a clean house after they fired Steve Mills, which seems like fifty years ago. When you're talking about the the current the 2020 uh, timeline, yeah, it does. But, um, yeah, they fired uh, Steve Mills a couple months ago. And, like, what's Leon going on? Rose is the new president. Yes. But the I guess he's keeping Scott Perry. I mean, I, I understand why, because Scott Perry is, is, I mean, to put it bluntly, he's a puppet of James Dolan. Um, I, you, you see, I thought he was more of a puppet of Steve Mills. Because him and Steve Mills were were very tight. Hmm. So I, you know, I I think what this is, I think this is more, um, it's more Leon Rowe is trying to keep some familiarity within the organization right now, and I think that if next year doesn't necessarily go as well, you know, when they are gearing up for a huge twenty twenty one free agency. Then that's when you could see uh, Perry be out the door with the Knicks, and they bring in someone of a huge name that would want to draw, namely <clears throat> uh, Giannis. Hello, um, please come to New York. Please save us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Teach R. Teach R. J. Barrett how to basketball. Teach R. J. Barrett how to basketball, and teach Mitchell Mitchell Robinson how to defend, please. Yeah, and not take five fouls. And then miss all the foul shots. And miss all the foul shots. Well, I was more talking about Mitchell Robinson get the five fouls and then him foul out. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. Because that is that is the Mitchell Robinson. It's the way. That is the Nick way. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, it's kind of expected for now. I wonder who they would actually think realistically that they can they can really get as their gm because i because there's no way that the knicks are going to get somebody like masai ujiri to leave toronto no 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 that 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 one was gone when uh when they hired uh leon rose yeah honestly i mean i don't know i don't know i mean i've I've heard a few names, but none of them none of them really just jump off the page as make me, you know, go, Wow, you know, that's a guy that we that we have to have. The biggest the biggest name that I heard was uh Chris Wallace, who was uh who was the GM for the Memphis Grizzlies, I believe. Well the fun thing well, the interesting thing is that the Knicks also have to deal with their coaching 
scenario because they have an interim coach in Mike Miller who honestly before the season was paused he had the Knicks playing kind of well you know, they had big wins over over the Pacers uh, they were they were doing pretty they were doing pretty well against I mean it's a pretty like easy sort of schedule but still but it would be interesting I mean not just for the Knicks but also for a bunch of teams that uh, fired their coaches during during the regular season how how that's going to really work in the off season I think personally I think Kenny Atkinson would be a great candidate that's the guy who I want because he's the kind of person I mean that he he was in the Knicks organization previously uh, he knows how to coach players like he's a good man man manager wouldn't have to travel too far right he does have to move and I mean, and I mean, he did a hell of a job in terms of rebuilding the Nets and getting the Nets to, uh, to what they are. And unfortunately, Kenny Atkinson just didn't want to be a puppet for uh, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant. Right. Exactly. So that's, I guess that's which why. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him either. If he can do what he did with the Nets, with the Knicks, oh, mamma mia. Yeah, I mean, he would be celebrated as as a saint. He'd be a legend. Yeah. He'd be a legend. And that that's like, that's the thing with the Knicks right now is you're looking for that one guy that is going to want to come here and is going to want to save the franchise. And whomever that guy is going to be, whether it is through free agency or whether it is through the draft, Whomever that guy is, whoever can come here and, you know, get the Knicks back to being a force like they were in the 70s, they would be a legend of epic proportions. I would even I would even say that you would you could put them they can win a championship. You could put them above Patrick Ewing, and Patrick Ewing is considered one of the greatest Knicks of all time. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would say, I would agree with that. But he never won a championship. But he never won a championship. He's close, though. Some very sad news to come out of the Baltimore Orioles that uh, Trey Mancini has stage three colon cancer. We uh, hope that he has a speedy, speedy recovery if that, and it's as painless as possible. But uh, this is very, very horrible news on top of horrible news. Because uh, last month, Trayman said he had, he left spring training to have a, a tumor removed from his colon. And I guess what happened now is the cancer came back. And just heart goes out to uh, the Man City family. Yeah, or, or it spread and they just didn't get enough of the tumor where it was uh, it, it didn't spread first, but yeah, I echo that prayers to uh, Trey Mancini, his family, and of course, you know everyone in the Orioles organization. He's their he's their best player right now too, you know if you, if you really do think about it. So uh, yeah, it's uh, terrible, 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 and you can only hope that he does make a a very quick, rapid, speedy recovery from this. Yep, definitely, definitely. I don't really have anything else to say about that. So let's move on to, let's finish off the news and notes segment with some happy news. And that is that the NCAA is, I think it's next year in 2021 through 2022. Starting 2021. Yes, correct. Yeah. They're going to give student athletes likeness rights that they can make money off of their likeness. Frankly, it's a shock that, that this wasn't a thing before. Because with how much money that institu- institutions make off of their players, it's like it's basically criminal that uh, the players can't make some money off of their likeness if they want to sign autographs or on a, on merchandise. Because you know not every player who was a star in college makes it in the big time. 
I mean, for every for every uh, Andrew Luck in the NFL, there's a Jordan Lynch who was really good in college at uh, Northern Illinois University, and he just did not succeed at the NFL level. Or there's or Taj Boyd who was really successful at Clemson, but he didn't succeed at the NFL level. So it's not a guarantee that these players are going to make a lot of money when they graduate or if they end up going, uh, turning professional. So this is a step in the right direction. Hopefully this could turn into uh, athletes getting paid, but it's going to be a long time, I feel like, before that happens because the NCAA, NCAA is very stubborn about this issue because you know they want to keep their exploitative system as long as it makes them a ton of money. And that's all I have to say about that. Couldn't say it much better myself. It's about fucking time. I, I think I've been an advocate for uh, students, student athletes making some sort of money off of their likeness or being paid a a very small hourly wage. I'm not saying make them multimillionaires in college, but you know, getting something off of what they make through these massive TV deals that, especially these big time schools, make through through whatever they have with ESPN. Uh, Fox, CBS. It's it's about fucking time that this happens, and I'm I'm over the moon today that this finally has happened. And you know, I mean, we're 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 talking about you know, and part of the reason why I was such a big advocate for this is, you know, people people do get lost in the fact that you know these kids are playing college football for these big time schools, and even even the ones that are playing, you know, at powerhouses like Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State you know we're talking even like division two you know sort of players that you know are you know standout players but don't necessarily get that national attention you also got to think of where they come from and you know we're, we're talking about mainly you know these players the majority being of an African-American race and you know these these people odds are their families you know, living in terrible, terrible, terrible conditions. And they have to wait until these kids, their their star kids, getting to the NFL and hopefully getting there before they can go and take care of their families. And, you know, that was one of the biggest concerns and, and one of the reasons why I was so for this is because now these kids, you know, it doesn't matter where you're going. Like I said, these kids now have an opportunity to make money off of playing college football for their schools and now can make some money where they can send back to their families and help their families that aren't necessarily living in the most luxurious and comfortable conditions. So I'm very happy that the NCAA finally got some brain cells on this and decided to put this into motion. Obviously, there is a big question now as to whether or not the NCAA football games are coming back. I doubt it. I think that that is uh, still a long way away from that potentially happening. But in the meantime, I'm happy that the NCAA finally got to move on this because, like I said, you have a majority of your players that are African-Americans who just want to help out their families given their families are not living in the best conditions. And also, you know, Caucasian players as well. You know, some people come from terrible, terrible, you know, economic backgrounds and they just want to they want to play. They want to make it big and they want to help their families. So I, I never saw a problem with this to start and I really don't see a problem with it now. So good for the NCAA for for getting on this. And now these college players can come in, they can play, they can make money off of their likeness and they can send money back to their families to help their families out. So I have no problem with this. Good, good for the NCAA. See, the crazy thing is every time. You had a scandal about uh, colleges paying athletes to come to their school, like the bigger colleges paying athletes, like what happened with uh, with USC and Ole Miss and what is always accused of, uh, of Alabama. I was like, you know what? Good on them for trying to provide for their athletes who may not have, who may not have the, uh, the funds to provide for themselves. I mean, these... Like Joe Burrow talked about it, not only in his Heisman speech, but also when it was shown when he was drafted, that the place that he comes from in Ohio. Athens, he, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, Athens, Ohio is one of the poorest um, places in the entire state. 
one yeah, of the worst and the, towns the, in the entire the, the state. Poverty, the poverty rate in Athens, Ohio is double that of what it is, I believe, in the entire country on average. Right, exactly. So this is a, this is a step in the right direction. You know, the, these institutions have so much money, especially the private institutions in, uh, in bigger conferences. They have so much money that they get not only from uh, tuition, but also from the, uh, the big broadcast deals in their conferences and also just gate receipts in general from people going to their games. You know, you have Michigan Stadium that whose capacity is over 100,000. Syria, you don't think like you see how much money that they're making off of that. Even when the team isn't great, the the uh, the school still fills up the uh, the stadium. So these schools have a lot of money. They have the they've had the capacity to pay their players for a long time. And frankly, it's appalling that it took the NCAA this long to just make this little baby step in the right direction. Better late than never. Yes, better late than never indeed. But good on the NCAA for uh, for for doing the right thing here and helping out their student athletes. That all they want to do is they want to play the game that they love, but at the same time they want to be able to go back and and help their families. And there's no reason why these universities should be, you know, racking in the money like they are when they have some people, some players on their on their teams, and and not even just football that are basically, you know, they're coming to practice, they're studying film, they're basically giving up their entire education, really, in some respects, to play the game that they love, whether it's football or basketball or or whatever. And when they're not there, they're going home and they're living in, in, in nothing. And how many stories have we heard about that where, you know, we have we would have players that, would be living out of their cars or living on the street or something or something like that but then they're going to play and practice at Alabama or Clemson or you know or something like that so I'm so happy that the NCAA decided to do this because it, it, it's it's taken this long and the amount of conversations that I've had with people who say that these players should not be getting paid is laughable it's a disgrace that some people feel that way and I am so happy so 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 happy that these players now can feel like that they are playing for something other than just to potentially get drafted into the big time that they keep playing now for their families right exactly so that's it for the news and notes let's move on to main topics of the podcast and we're doing Mount Rushmore's, and frankly, last time, Bird, we really enjoyed doing the our Mount Rushmore of the uh, of the NFL. But we're not talking about football. Well, we might be actually with this net with the first one. The first Mount Rushmore that we're doing is New York sports based. So you know, four great players, or even. Players, coaches, executives, owners from uh, all of New York sports, and we're having the restriction of one person per sport, because I'm sure Bird would probably just put Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Derek Jeter, and Babe Ruth on his. You forgot Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, or Alex Rodriguez. Great guy. Point still stands. Great guy. Yeah. Bird would just fill it with the Yankees if we didn't have this restriction. So do you want to go first? Um, I'll give you first pick. I'll be a gentleman on this one. Oh, man. First pick is really hard, though. It's not like this past draft where the Bengals probably had their first pick the second they lost, <laughs> the second that they clinched it. This is this is hard. Ah, uh, well, first, we could we could flip a coin for it. What's well, hard to do when we can't see each other, not to break. Well, the we could be for a we could be here. honest about it. I, I think I think we're at the point where we could be a hundred percent honest with each other. You know what? 
I do have, I have a pick. So, I mean, it pains me as a Mets fan to say this, but I'm picking Derek Jeter as my first pick. Yowie, wowie. Yeah. It really does pain me as a Mets fan to say that. But I think the stuff that Derek Jeter did for, for the Yankees being one of the more recognizable, one of the most recognizable players in baseball when he played, being the captain... I mean, his stats weren't, like, he definitely wasn't the great, the best player on the team stat-wise because he played with a lot of incredible players, but he had a lot of leadership. He he was really clutch, won a, a multitude, a multitude of World Series uh, rings with the Yankees when he was playing with them, and just for being a, a New York sports icon, for uh, Bird and I's lifetime, that's why I'm picking Derek Jeter. So you're going with a New York Yankee right off the rip. See, this is where I have my issue because I thought you were going to stick with your teams. And since you didn't go with the Mets, this throws my whole strategy in a loop. Because you already have a Yankee. I could potentially save my Yankee. And I can go in a different direction with my pick. Which is exactly what I am going to do. And I am going to go for the captain himself. Mark Messier. Oh, that's a good one. Damn it. See, you, you took you took your Yankee pick uh, right off the rip. Um, I mean, what can I say about Mess? I mean, this is the guy that had to guarantee in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the rival New Jersey Devils in Game 6. What happened? Down 3-2. They came back and they won the Series 4-3 with, of course, Matto, Matto, Stefan Matto. And the Rangers end up going to the finals that year and winning the Stanley Cup for the first time in 54 years with, of course, Messier's goal in, uh, in Game 7 at Madison Square Garden. Um, and, of course, I mean, he's probably one of, the, uh, he's one of the greatest players to ever lace up a pair of skates. And it just so happened that some of his, uh, his best years happened with the New York Rangers. And then, of course, he had that, that tenure in Vancouver, and then he was back on Broadway for uh, the two, through the 2004 season from 2000 when he finally did retire uh, in 2005. So for me, Mark Messier, I have his jersey hanging up uh, in my closet somewhere, and uh, he is going to be my my pick here. Do I have a back-to-back, Adam? Are we, do, are we doing a, a snake? We should do a snake. Okay, so I have a I have a back to back. So this is where I was gonna go ahead. Actually, I was gonna say about Messier. Go ahead. It's very funny that Messier basically had two separate incredible careers because he True. was because he won he won so many playing with Gretzky and the Oilers, and then he brought all of his friends from the Oilers with him to the Rangers. And then he won the uh, Stanley Cup with them. So it was pretty, pretty and cool. And he became an icon. He became an icon in New York. And he became an icon. Yep. Um, my second one is I'm going for the Iron Horse. I'm going for, I'm go, I am going to go for, uh, for Lou Gehrig, a, uh, a career Yankee, uh, one of the most iconic Yankees that has ever donned the pinstripes, member of six World Series teams. Had seven consecutive All-Star appearances. He won the Triple Crown. Uh, he was an American League MVP twice. I mean, his career numbers are just ridiculous. 340 batting average, 632 slugging, 447 on-base percentage, 493 home runs, uh, almost 2,000 RBIs. And he would have had more if his career was not cut short when he had to uh, to retire. Due to, uh, due to ALS. Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, which affectionately, affectionately became known as uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. I wouldn't say affectionately. <laughs> Effectively, 
is the word you're looking for. Well. Affectionately. Affectively. Oh, yeah. We, we, yes, we love calling it Lou Gehrig's um, disease. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah, we love it. We just absolutely, absolutely love it. And and he also had uh, the, of course, the most consecutive games played streak until that was uh, that was broken by Cal Ripken Jr. in 1995. I believe, and that was a record that stood for 56 years. And I believe that the, the amount of games that he played was 2,130, I believe. So, Well, that's never going to be broken again. I mean, Ripken's record is not going to be broken no. again. No, especially now in, in an era where we play in, where we always have you know guys getting days off every now and again and, and load management, the era that we live in. Um, that, that record will never be broken. But yep. I had a lot of choices for for baseball. I could have gone with Alex Rodriguez. I could have gone for Babe Ruth. Um, but at the end of the day, I went with the Iron Horse. And I, I, I'm going for, uh, for Lou Gehrig, who, by the way, was born two days before my birthday, June 19th in 1903. I was born June 21st. So, Wow, that's fun. Yeah, I'm telling you, some great people are born in June. Great, great people. I mean, great people are born in August. Mm, all right, summer baby, I'll give it to you. Yeah. What's your astrological sign? It's Leo. Oh, you're a Leo? Yeah, I'm literally oh. like two days away from the cutoff. Yikes. See, I, listen, I don't care about astrology. Um, I'm on the cusp. I'm a, I'm a cancer Gemini. Because I was born on the solstice. So technically I'm both. See that's weird. Yeah, it's 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 very rare that you have uh, that you find someone that is literally right on the cusp of being a Cancer and a Gemini, or any of the seasons. It's on the it's on the equinox that you need to need to really look out for. Those equinox babies, those are, those are deep sleepers these days. Yes, deep sleepers. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, because I, <laughs> I'll just I'll just be right right out there transparent that i have no idea about astrology i only really know about like my sign but that's basically it you need to look at your horoscope mr mr caster maybe 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 that'll really help you i hope so when when's your birthday august 20th oh that's right i knew that then why'd you ask i'm a dumb i'm a dumbass (laughs) i'm a dumbass uh okay we're gonna the august 20th well, while you do that, I'm going to give my pick. Sure, go ahead. And I'm going to, you know, I talked about how Marc Messier had two distinct careers that could be separated. This next guy had actual, actually two very successful careers where two two generations of people fell in love with this guy for two different reasons. And that is Walt Clyde Frazier of the New mm, York Knickerbockers. Interesting. This is somebody a who's in the rare company of somebody that won have that has won every single one of the Knicks NBA championships. All two of them. Tier. But and he was he was a, a solid contributor at the uh, point guard position for the new, when he was on those Knicks teams. And He's the kind of guy, you know, when we talked, when we had our last Mount Rushmore, when I talked about uh, Joe Namath and how he was, a, how his like crazy fashion sense was able to uh, kind of be the springboard for the uh, the weird shit that we see today in uh, major sports leagues with everybody's clothes. Uh, Clyde Frazier is definitely one of those guys that can say, you know, I had a little part in that too. This is the... He he dressed extravagantly, and he was like one of the few uh, basketball players that really that really did that. And he was great with the Knicks. And then once he retired, uh, years after he retired, he was in the broadcast booth. And him and Mike Breen make Knicks games so much more fun, so much more enjoyable to watch, because you know. I'm not saying something. Yeah. Even when the Knicks were at their at their worst, uh, Breen and Frazier, or Kenny Albert and Frazier, still made Knicks games fun to watch. 
and you know Wolf Frazier has his has his trademark uh, isms, you know, driving and jiving, dishing and swishing, that sort of thing. He's just a he's just a very unique person, really cool person. He's the kind of guy that was like he was born to be a broadcaster, but he also was gifted with athletic ability to uh, to play basketball. And he's really made a name for himself in the New York sports le- lexicon. I support that one. I support that one. Yeah. I have a, I have a better New York Nick though, so we'll get to that when we get to mine. But you do have uh, a selection here, top of the third. Ooh, football. Either yes, football you have or you have NFL and NHL left. I have NBA and NFL left. So I'll just recap uh, who we've picked so far. While you while you think of your NFL, so top of the first, Adams took Derek Jeter. Top of the first, I took Mark Messier. Top of the second, I took Lou Gehrig. Top of the second, Adam just took Walt Clyde Frazier. And now Adam is on the clock here at the top of the third, Mister Caster. Hmm. I do, I was gonna pick Joe Namath, but I don't want to. Because I already, because <laughs> I already picked him for the last one. Even though Joe Namath would be a, would be a great pick for the NFL, would be a great pick. I'm going to pick Bill Parcells mm. for the NFL. This is the kind of guy. I mean, his uh, stint with the with the Evil Empire aside, this is a guy that has had success with both. NFL franchises in New York slash New Jersey. He won two Super Bowls with the Giants in uh, in the uh, late '80s and early '90s with Bill Belichick as his defensive coordinator, and he was able to lead the Jets to some of their best seasons in history without winning the Super Bowl. Where he the best ever season, the best ever 16 game season as far as wins are concerned, came under uh, Bill Parcells. They went uh, 12-4, and and they went all the way to the AFC Championship game against the Broncos. And that was with uh, Vinny Testaverde at quarterback. So it was like an older Vinny Testaverde at quarterback. So for Bill Parcells to do... I mean, he built... He did so much for the New York Giants as a franchise, building them up from being kind of a laughing stock before uh, Lawrence Taylor was drafted. And then he won the Super Bowl with on the back of the great defense and the uh, quarterbacking play of Phil Simms and Jeff Hostetler. Going in uh, later in the 90s, uh, building the Jets back up from going 1-15 in 1996 and now, and when he was in charge, they uh, they made the playoffs. I mean, they were very close to going to their uh, second Super Bowl franchise history. And frankly, if Bill Belichick wasn't such a wasn't such an asshole, the Jets would still have been would still be good because he was the guy that Parcells left in charge when he uh, when he basically promoted himself to president of football operations interesting i like that that bill parcells pick that's a that's a very very good one um i actually am going to this is a tough one for me because obviously uh i have no football affiliations in the state of uh in the state of new york um so it is very tough for me to uh, go and praise if anything it's the opposite for you yeah um this is a tough one, but I feel like if I if I had to say which Patriots do I like do I like the most? Pretty or much, Dolphins. pretty much. Um, I am gonna go though for someone that does have my universal respect and is one of the greatest football players to ever step foot on the field. And for my New York Mount Rushmore for my football entrance. I am going to go for New York Giants linebacker Lawrence Taylor. And, I mean, what is there to really say about LT? You can make a case that he is the greatest defensive player in the history of the National Football League. He is the only player 
to ever win the Defensive Player of the Year award in his rookie season. Two-time Super Bowl winner, a 10-time Pro Bowler, an eight-time first-team All-Pro. And you can talk about all the things that have happened after his playing career and, and perhaps during his his playing career as, you know, potentially a, uh, a non-selling point in terms of, you know, Lawrence Taylor being considered one of the all-time greats um, in NFL history. But there's no doubt what he did on the field as part of that big blue wrecking crew defense uh, that really just took the league by storm and helped the Giants to two Super Bowl victories. Uh, there's no doubt for me that Lawrence Taylor deserves a place on this list despite all that has happened to him after the fact. Uh, he, he He's one of the greats, and I think if you were to take him and you were to put him, and we talked about this, that he, he it was a shame that I had to leave him off of my uh, all-time uh, NFL Mount Rushmore, but in terms of my New York Mount Rushmore, he's on there, and it was it really was down to Lawrence Taylor or Eli Manning. If I put Eli Manning on this list, I never would have heard the end of it, so I'm going with Lawrence Taylor because I think that's one that I think most people can at least say that I uh, I can respect Lawrence Taylor for the kind of football player that he uh, that he was. As for my basketball pick, I hinted at this that I have a a better New York Nick to add to this list, and I am going to I'm I'm going for a guy that was named uh, one of the 50 great, greatest players in NBA history. And that is Willis Reed for the New York Knicks. And, of course, NBA Hall of Famer, two-time NBA champion, two-time Finals MVP, won the MVP in 1970, a seven-time All-Star. This is this is a guy that just is considered to be the greatest Knick that has ever played for the franchise without question. He was also a coach of the Knicks. I mean, this is, this is a guy that bled New York Knicks plain and yeah, exactly. And I mean, you look at his background, you look at what he's what he went through just to become a member of the NBA and get to being on the New York Knicks. Grew up in southern Louisiana. He got it got his education in a very very segregated part of the deep south, so he had to overcome all types of racism. So that story in and of itself is just is incredible. And then when he gets to the big time in New York playing under the lights of Madison Square Garden for the New York Knicks and what he was able to do, he was able to bring the Knicks their only two NBA titles. And he was the catalyst of that over his career, a career lifelong Nick. He averaged 18.7 points per game. He had 12 rebounds a game. So basically over his career, he was a double-double machine. And that's that's just insane. If you could say at the end of the day, you were at a double-double machine. That's all you need to know. He's a dual member of the Basketball Hall of Fame and the College Basketball Hall of Fame where he starred at Grambling State, a predominantly all-black college. Um, unbelievable what, what Willis Reed was able to do for, for the New York Knicks. And he was a shoo-in for this list. And I really was hoping that you were not going to go ahead and take Willis Reed. And I'm very happy that you uh, that you did not. So my list here... I have Mark Messier, I have Lou Gehrig, I have Lawrence Taylor, and I have Willis Reed. Well, I was close. I sort of. I mean, I picked his teammate in uh, Clyde, Walt Frazier. So who did you? Well, who were you? Uh, who did you think I was going to take? I thought you were going to take Patrick Ewing. Hmm. Interesting. No, no. Willis Reed won his championships. That is true. Well, honestly, Willis Reed. It's a great pick. I mean, thank the, you. His uh, courageous two points or four points they scored in game seven against the Lakers when he could barely walk. Yeah. He's amazing. All right, Adam, who, uh, hockey, who do you, uh, who do you have for your, uh, for your number four? It's going to, it's going to be hockey. If you pick a New York Islander here, I may shoot you. Uh, Listen, if I pay, if I pick a New York Islander, I'd have to just, just I don't, I don't even know. I have to disown myself. Good man. It's just not not in my blood. Good man. Let's pick an Islander. Really, this one, it's one of those things where when I first proposed this idea, I was like, "This is going to be easy. I'm just going to pick like this." This I was like, "No, no, this is actually kind of hard to pick one 
from all of New York sports. And I'm, I've been debating between two goaltenders for the New York Rangers. Hank and Mike Richter. And actually, I guess three, technically, if I want, if I want to throw in uh, Eddie Jockman. Eddie Jockman, yeah. But I think, frankly, I love Henrik Lundqvist and what he's done for for the Rangers, but I have to go with Mike Richter. Wow! For my macro, for my Matt Rushmore. Wow! Mike Richter, I mean, he did win a championship for the Rangers. This is true. He was with the Rangers. The funny thing is, I a couple years ago I watched a video. This guy uh, on YouTube was going through the goaltending history for the New York Rangers, and literally, it's just like twenty years of. Jockman, like 15 years of Richter, and then Lundqvist. Like the Rangers, it's like it seems like the Rangers have only had like four, like six consistent goaltenders in their entire franchise history. It's ridiculous. You aren't wrong, but yeah, but really, I think Mike Richter is the is the guy here able to take the Rangers to their uh, first championship since the 40s in 1994. Um, he's a mainstay on the team, even when the Rangers were kind of not, were just not great before they got their, inf- their infusion of, uh, of the Oilers when, you know, in like the, like the late eighties, early nineties, when they were kind of, kind of so, so he still stuck with the team. He was a consistently great goalie, had a lot of longevity in his career, in his career, Played throughout the uh, the nineties as well as as uh, going into the early two thousands, and honestly, Mike Richter and also Lundqvist are the reason are one of the main reasons why I think that uh, goalies should be named captains in the NHL, even though that's never going to happen. Because though, because uh, those two guys were really the leaders of uh, of the Rangers when they were playing. Roberto Luongo was captain of both the Florida Panthers and the Vancouver Canucks. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, he was captain of the Canucks? I thought uh, yes, he Henrik Sedin was the captain of the Canucks. No. No, it was, a, it was Roberto Luongo when he was there. Well, I thought that goalies can't be captains because they can't approach the bench. They can't pass the uh, the red line. Or the blue line. Oh, Roberto, Roberto Luongo wore, wore the uh, wore the C, not on his huh. jersey, but on his mask. Interesting. Yeah. So but anyway, f- so for Adams, uh, Mount Rushmore, he has Derek Jeter, Walt Clyde Frazier, Bill Parcells, and Mike Richter. Yep. I was gonna honestly, I was thinking of broadcasters also. We should, but that's like a different Mount Rushmore entirely. Well, that's about Rushmore for the radio nerds, aka us. Yeah, Howie Rose, Gary Cohen, John Sterling, Sam Rosen. Yeah, Mike Green. Michael Michael K. Walt. I mean, Clyde Frazier could be on two Mount Rushmores. He could. So, uh, oh, uh, Bob Ushusen, of course. Bob yep. Papa, Marty Bob Lyons. Papa. Um. Trying to think of some more. John Sterling. I already said John Sterling. Oh, you did say John Sterling? I didn't hear you. Yeah. I apologize. All right. So, Bird, this was really fun. This is a fun exercise. I love doing these Mount Rushmore's. Oh, of course. It was super, super fun. And I hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, debating New York sports with uh, two people that have uh, live, lived, uh, breathed, and slept New York sports is always exciting. It's a super exercise. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. There are people who are going to be very pissed off at, at, at our list, but sorry. That's what happens. Lists... Sorry. E- Eli Manning is going to be the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame when he's in there. Lists breed controversy. This is true. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the name is just the basement talk podcast and once again we're going to uh 
we're going to be fishing for content next episode. And what we're going to do is going to be a surprise to not only you, but to us. I, you know, I, I have an idea for, for what we can, uh, we can do if you're uh, behind it. Okay. Potentially, potentially if we can, if we can figure out scheduling, maybe just maybe we can do a little, uh, a little fantasy football mock draft for, uh, for all the listeners. We could do that. That does sound like a lot of fun. We are we are known for the fantasy football mock drafts there, Mr. Gasser. I, I don't know if you are aware, but we are well known for that. Oh no, I, I'm pretty aware. Okay, good. I definitely haven't. I I definitely wasn't blacked out every single episode that we did a mock draft. No, never. No. Never. I n- never, never would expect you to be blacked out ever. Wasn't like a weekend at Bernie's scenario where I was just propped up in the chair <laughs> while you were do- going through the mock draft. No, I def I definitely didn't have my feet up either. I definitely did not have my feet up, and the mic just basically leaned up against my face so I could relax and slouch back and probably ruin every sort of uh, posture that I have and take off maybe five or six years off my back just so I could be comfy in doing a mock draft. No, I never did such a thing ever. And I definitely wasn't mad at you for it. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You supported it. Yep, that's right. So yeah, that might end up being what we're what we're gonna do. So Or not. We're or gonna not. find out. Again. Yes. We are all for surprises. We don't know what the surprise is gonna be, but it's gonna be a surprise. But that's why you're gonna come and listen. Because of because of surprises. And we love surprises. All right, so for my co-host Ed Birdsaw, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast. Bye-bye.